Fantastic. Hello and welcome to the uh, third PC Gamer podcast. Um, that, in case you're wondering, uh, you thought you might have switched on the wrong podcast. That was uh, Mr. Al Bickham, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, with his banjo. Thank you very much for that, Al. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive stuff. <laughs> Uh, how long have you been playing that banjo? Uh, for about eight months. It's so like that early days. It's yes. like that TV program where they force people to learn a new instrument. Yeah, they did that with uh, Frank Skinner, didn't they? That's the one. I, I missed it. I really wish I'd watched it because <laughs> uh, you know I've actually I've got a really good teacher who uh-huh. um, who is just all kinds of good. Um, and apparently I, I was told about that show and the guy just said basically here are some CDs. <laughs> go, go and learn to play the banjo. So but you've had it a bit easier. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great stuff. So obviously they don't give you enough uh, uh, entertainment on PC format normally, but well, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's good stuff. So um, now the reason we've got Al, Al in today with us on the PC Gamer podcast is that uh, you, were, you were playing something the other day and uh, stumbled across something game-related, Al. Uh, well, I, th- I think so, yeah. It was, it's kind of like I sort of felt compelled. I was halfway through uh, a song and I sort of... My fingers started moving elsewhere, and a little tune came out. Can can you show us what you mean, Al? I, I will. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, through the medium of banjo, obviously. Excellent. <laughs> okay, take take it away, Al Bickham. All right, here we go then. So uh, I'll start what I was normally playing, which is a song I practice called Turkey in the Straw. So uh, um, make that what you will. Yep. Um, but it goes something like this. Correct me if I'm wrong, I think I heard the strange of the Deus Ex theme tune coming yeah, through there. Yes, yes. <laughs> that is spooky. It's yeah. game theme tunes coming through yeah. the yeah. mysteries of oh, the banjo. I was banjo. sitting there in my uh, long black leather coat <laughs> with my shades on, fiddling with my pistol, and uh, I thought I'd compelled to play the banjo, and, and it just sort of happened. Banjo is very much a cyberpunk instrument. Well, Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. And you can do a lot of damage if you hit somewhere else. Pretty heavy. Well, Al, uh, on behalf of PC Gamer and our audience, thank you very much for bringing in your banjo today. Quite right. I hope you've enjoyed my amateur output. I hope we're <laughs> going to have you back again once some more uh, game theme tunes come through in your banjo music. <laughs> I'll be glad to oblige. Al Beckham, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, that was Al Bickham with his uh, magical banjo there, his magical game tune theme playing banjo, um, which is uh, very interesting, I thought. If, if any of you have any magical uh, musical talents, and, well, actually I'm asking you if you can play any game theme tunes, send them in on, P- uh, on MP3 to us uh, at the usual PC Gamer address, and uh, we'll see if we can play them out in the next, uh, next podcast. So just to clarify, they don't need to be magic? If they can just play very well, that'll do it. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's a pretty thin dividing line between magic and <laughs> musical ability. What do you think? Let's get on with the podcast. Um, so uh, joining us today, that was Al Bickham. He's, he's gone now. He's had to go and do some uh, crazy fun work on PC Format. But in the studio today uh, with me, Ross Atherton, your editor, uh, is Tim Edwards, deputy editor. Hello. Hello, Tim. And uh, Tom Francis, writer, Hello. although he'll probably want to do his own introduction <laughs> as usual. <laughs> Yes, I would like to do my own introduction. I'm Tom Francis, writer. The reason I want to do my own introduction is I think that if we just say hello, you can't really tell who's who later on because saying hello sounds pretty much the same in all of our voices. Whereas my introduction, I think, is particularly distinctive. I'm also the annoying voice you heard interrupt earlier. That is, that is really useful. Thank you, Tom. In fact, the only reason I didn't interrupt TV's Al Bickham, and he is TV's Al Bickham, he is. was that I wasn't given a microphone for that section of the podcast. Because <laughs> we're so poor at PC Game, we've only got four. <laughs> and occupying the fourth microphone this afternoon is Mr. Craig Pearson, news editor of PC Gamer. Hello, Craig. Hello. I'm really regretting that I'm saying Tom now. <laughs> I don't he's know what ju- you yes, mean. he's just going to talk all afternoon. Yeah. Mm. So, um, what are we going to be talking about today? Shall we, um, as we normally do, shall we take a look at the charts, Tim? 
Okay. Okay. Should we just do like five to one? Yes. Because otherwise we'll be talking about the Sims add-on packs all afternoon. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what's number five, Tim? Uh, World of Warcraft, The Burning Crusade, which we're not going to talk about in any, any great length. We've today. been criticised for talking about World of Warcraft in the mag too much. Perish the thought. Well, that's because you, Tom, you, Tim, and Dan all play it. Yes. That's true. You know, even even our art editor, Dan Vincent. We're not talking about World abs- of Warcraft, guys. We're Sorry. Not talking about okay. World of Warcraft. What's at number four, Tim? Uh, the Sims 2 Seasons, which I have a very important question. What's your favourite seasoning? <laughs> seasoning? Yes. Ah, so the last time it was seas- favourite yeah. season and now it's seasoning. Okay. Mine is rosemary. Rosemary? Interesting. Is Craig? it vinegar a seasoning? It's more of an acid, really. Yes. More of a chemical. Still, I like it. Okay. Um, does chilli count? Yes. I like chilli. Mixed herbs for me. Mixed mixed herbs. Yes, that's a mixed total cop out. Yes, that's like, I don't know that's what herbs. Just, I like everything. That's okay. offensive. Doesn't even right. matter which ones you mix. <laughs> okay, uh, number three, Lord of the Lord of the Rings Online, Shadows of Angmar. The most unnecessary subtitle in the world. Yep. Yes. Lord of the Rings Online, I call it. Um, so uh, we, we're all of us meaning to play this at some point. Has anyone actually started yet? <laughs> no, I've no, definitely no. installed it. You've installed it. That's yes. pretty good. I, I got one of these uh, box sets. Um, with a lifetime subscription, which seems like a hell of a commitment to make. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually quite scared. Does it end when you it's die? It's like getting married. How does much it does it end when I die? Probably, yeah. yeah. Can you actually buy it's that commercially? Um, it's limited edition, so I, I guess there's a few places. The thing, the thing is about the um, unlimited subscription, um, lifetime subscription, you think it's a great deal, but that just means you're going to have to buy all the expansion packs. <laughs> so they're still going to make your money off them. They've got you. That's a bit right. like Guild Wars, I guess. Yes. Number two, Football Manager 2007. That's quite good, I hear. We say that every month. Um, <laughs> Just a record, that wasn't me snoring, although it was no, that, was, that was Tim, so Sports Interactive, um, and all the boys down there, Miles and all the boys, it's Tim you can kill for snoring at the mention of Football Manager. You can just mildly maim me. I yes. did recently play a Football Manager game and I found it quite enjoyable. Well, there you go. It is good. It's because I didn't have the internet and I needed something to sort of... My search fix that I needed. A, sing, a single player game. I remember those. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely needed something to Google. I needed, yeah, it was, it, it was the Google replacement. <laughs> oh, so you like searching for players? Yeah. I'm getting the Google shakes. <laughs> <laughs> Must search for something. Uh, and here's a, here's a big uh, game at number one. Uh, Command & Conquer 3 Tiberian Wars. Boo. Excellent. Boo? <laughs> Boo? That's rubbish. <laughs> it's quite literally not rubbish. It's quite literally 82% good, isn't it? 82% good. I found it deeply subpar. I played it quite a lot. Yeah. Despite myself, <laughs> just because it's trashy and I had nothing else to play that weekend. Oh, it hang just, on, it's hang so on. so behind everything else. Yeah, okay. So you played it for a weekend, despite yourself. I yeah, I well, cry foul, sir. Well, if I played it, it must have not been very much. You'd say, oh, you can't judge it. You haven't played it enough. And now that I played it a long time, you're saying I can't judge it because I played it a long time. So you played it for a whole weekend just so you can say you didn't like it. I played the whole weekend. I played a lot of the non-campaign until I got to the stage where it was both boring and difficult. <laughs> hmm. I think Tom actually secretly likes it a bit. It's just every mission, the challenge is to overcome the flaws in the game and the irrational way it controls units. And I mean, there's one where you've got to defend this cargo truck against this huge GDI invasion that lasts for like 15 minutes. And the challenge is that you can't control the cargo truck once you park it in your base. So once you take over the base that you need to defend it, you just lose control of it and it parks itself in a terrible position. The base itself was built at a crossroads, which was all known as the best strategic place to build a base so that you can always defend it against you know, <laughs> everything ever. It should be pointed out, actually, that those missions that Tom's talking about, there's another one on the GDI campaign, they are rubbish. <laughs> okay, didn't you review this, Tim? Yeah, <laughs> and I've given 82%. I, I, I pointed that, though, out that, yeah. that, that yeah. those missions are rubbish. So what's good about it? Did, come on, uh, uh, fight the other, the other side of this. Uh, it's got really good explosions in it. Um, so do Arnold Schwarzenegger movies? And, and they're 82%. great. 82%. 82% good for Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> So yeah, I sort of agree. There's a lot of value to just big explosions and shiny things and lasers and stuff, but I I don't think there's 80% of value to it. I think there's kind of 70%, and I, I think it's for Arnie. I think things. what we're saying is that it got 82% for the awesome cutscenes. Yeah. yeah, okay, those do okay. add about 10%. Excellent. Although, isn't the actress from House the worst actress in the world? <laughs> yes. Everyone else is, like, you know, as bad as they normally are, and she's just, oh, my God, terrible. Now, now she's going to sue us. She's going to sue us now, Tom. She is lovely. Is she? Yeah. Okay, now she's well, she yeah. <laughs> Will she kiss us? No. No. Let's move on. Right. What, what have we all been playing lately? Is is the next question. I think we should ask you that, Ross. Shall we? I know the answer, and it's excellent. Do you know what? <laughs> I uh, yes, I've been playing World of Warcraft for a very long time, and now I thought, no, it's time for a change. And Tom persuaded me to try Galactic Civilizations Two. Now, actually, the first thing that struck me, Tom, do you remember a game called Birth of the Federation? Being a bit of a Star Trek fan. 
I remember it, but I didn't play it myself. It's very, very similar. It's in that old school, you know, you're in space, it's all turn-based, you're exploring and conquering, you're setting up colonies and so on. Um, I'm really enjoying Galactic Civilizations, but only last night, when it sort of clicked what the point of it was. And the point is, of course, to attack people and build ships. And, <laughs> yes, although um, the more you get into that, and kind of once you've had a big military game, and you know exactly what you need once you've started a full-scale war, it starts to become more interesting before the war. And for me, that's actually my favourite bit, where no one's actually declared hostilities, and you're just kind of competing for resources. And that gets more heated than it does when you're actually fighting people, because you can't take planets from your friends, so you absolutely must get the planet first, and you must get the asteroid colony first. What I like is I can call my spaceship the, the Starfucker, <laughs> or the Space Bastard. Can you call it that on the podcast? Uh, just did. <laughs> okay. I've got a question for Galsiv. Um, can you role-play really absurd alien races? Absolutely. In fact, not only can you role-play them yourself, but you can, in the Dark Avatar expansion, you can set up the AI to play them for you. So right. you can make this bizarre, completely fucked-up race with all these stupid ships that look like giant penises or something, and then force the AI to play with the stupid things you've made. So if I wanted to make a race of intergalactic clowns that entertain people to death... Yes, you probably have to draw your own portrait for that. I don't think there's a clown default. <laughs> okay. There is a, a, is a magic space it? bunny default. Actually, that's a pretty good point. So, I mean, yeah, the whole entertaining thing to death, I don't think you could actually do that. They're still, they're still probably victory. mine and attack and okay. you can. There's a whole tech tree that's about entertainment and about building you know, bigger stadiums and cooler TV networks and stuff, and that gives you more cultural influence. People like your place more. You get loads more tourism revenue. And then eventually people like your place so much that they move there and you can come. So you entertain them to life? Yeah. If you were a race of space clowns, would you want a massive arena? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> They're zero-G arenas. So they can, yeah, dance. imagine clowns in zero-G <laughs> arenas. Okay. Zero-G custom play fight would be interesting, I think. <laughs> well, thanks for telling us about uh, Galactic Civilizations 2, Tom. Um, so, Tom, what have you been playing this month? <laughs> I've been playing Galactic Civilizations 2. Massive. Yeah, well, I've actually been playing something else, but I'd like to just talk briefly about my Galactic Civilizations 2 mega game. Oh, because you haven't talked about that enough on the website. Yeah, I mean that was only ten thousand words, so I've still got more to say uh, on the subject. By the way, this this kind of te- you may have you may have seen this on on the website, folks. It's, it's a a twenty part kind of diary of of Tom's adventures in Galactic Civilizations too, and it, it basically reads exactly like all his unsubbed copy does. <laughs> you ask him for five hundred words on on I don't know Crisis, and you get ten thousand, and then you have to say this is really good. It's really, really good, but you know, could you cut it down just a bit? But on the internet, it can just be really good. <laughs> Which is why the internet is a frightening, terrible place. Yes. But anyway, um, it was, I essentially tried to set up the biggest game I possibly could on a gigantic sized galaxy with, I think, 12 other species um, and high densities of uh, colonizable planets and resources and everything, and then just try to see how long it would last me. And this was simply because when playing a medium game, it usually lasts me about eight hours to get through it. And so in the end, after six weeks, I finally finished it, the night before last. And it took me, I think, about 24 hours. But the remarkable thing about it is that not only is that single match longer than most single-player campaigns in an RTS or even in in an FPS, it actually had kind of more drama and more space opera and kind of more meat to it, more of a story, in fact, than most scripted games. It's a good point. I'm I'm quite surprised at how much kind of character the game brings to it. Even though it's turn-based, there's no... Uh, there's not a lot of 3D action going on. There's not a lot of um, kind of obvious characterization, but the text I mean, it comes through brilliant. It's a wonderfully well written game, yeah. isn't it? Really, really got a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of spirit to it. Really light hearted and funny too. Yeah. Speaking got... of which, you've been playing Planescape Torment as well. Yes, and in fact, I wouldn't have got that link <laughs> in if I hadn't played it. See, I'm, I'm a professional. I assumed that it was a kind of. I mean, it's about an immortal zombie <laughs> who can't die, and is kind of roaming crypts, essentially, and the, all the people you meet are just animated, um, mindless drones or dustmen who are in charge of kind of handling corpses and that kind of thing. It doesn't sound like a comedy, <laughs> but it is. And I, the reason I was playing it is just that we're having the Top 100 meeting soon, and it's, you know, everyone has that one game that every time they mention it, they haven't played it or they haven't completed it. Every game in the room says, oh, <gasps> one of us. <laughs> and Planescape is mine. It's the one that, Every year I just have to kind of sit out of the debate because I haven't played it. I don't know how good it is. It sounds nice, but I can't imagine it being as good as everyone says it is. And so far, after about an hour and a half, maybe two hours, um, it seems pretty good. <laughs> it picks up a bit, yeah. actually. It's, it's quite a slow start as you're kind of getting to grips with what you can interact with and what you can't. And sort of the limitations of it being 
well, what is it, eight years old? Yeah. Um, but it does pick up, so stick with it. But it has already started to self-satirise. In fact, I think more or less in the first ten seconds, <laughs> it makes fun of itself. Yeah. In that, um, you know, the skull you meet, Mort, yeah. um, comes up to you and says, you know, it's the usual routine. Uh, you can't open this door and no one has any keys. And then you do spend the first hour of the game finding locked doors, desperately trying to work out where the keys are. And just kind of yeah. get frustrated the very thing they're for him now. Spoil it for him. No, don't. Oh, I want to say just one line, but it's... Oh. <laughs> okay. Actually, one thing I did like about Hunt for the Keys is that you don't, it doesn't make you grind by just murdering all the zombies because you can just walk up to a zombie and talk to him and then you get a little description of what he looks like and in one case you can see that he's clutching a key <laughs> and that he's clutching it so tightly you won't be able to take it off him so you have to cut his wrist off. <laughs> it's a bit like that, the whole but game. If, it's kind of gruesome. What I mean is if, it's, if it was World of Warcraft, you wouldn't be able to find out who had the thing you need. You'd just have to kill 300 of them until the 1% chance oh, comes up. And, Yes. We're, we're not could, talking about World of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Where did, you, where did you get such a weird difficulty thing game? Um, I I've got a, I've a got a box copy. <laughs> who lives in uh, Sweden. <laughs> I've, I've got a box copy of Planescape Torment if anyone needs to borrow it. Yes, Ross lent it to me, actually. <laughs> yeah. He lives in Sweden sometimes. Moving on to Tim, what have you been playing? Um, um, I'm playing a campaign of Civilization Four. Uh, a play-by-email campaign of Civilization Four with We're a bunch of geeks. Aren't we? <laughs> three. Basically, I've realised with three university friends, I've realised that I really like very long, very slow, boring games. <laughs> You'd like Elsif too. You yeah, I, I really would, but um, I, th- I think it's been overplayed in the office. <laughs> Fair enough. How, uh, how does it work by email? Does it sort of send a little save file? Yeah. Well. It's meant to, uh, but Civ 4 is broken, like the multiplayer is broken in lots of different ways. Um, that's probably quite libelous. So it's, it's a little bit um, unclever in a few ways. Unclever. Um, unclever, yes. That's a very unclever thing to say. That's, that's true. Um, but so what you have to do is every turn you save a game and then you email it to your mate and he, he takes his turn, he mails it to his mate and then he takes his turn and then he emails it to me. And you get it back. Is it, is it a physical process? Like they have to copy it to you and then email. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, there's there is an email client in, built into the game, but it's it just doesn't work. Sounds immensely dull, Craig. I don't think you've been playing slow, long, boring games, have you? I've been playing Frontier. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about Tomb Raider. I've been playing Frontier, but I've also been playing Tomb Raider. Now, so. Um, this is obviously in, in the issue you're about to get your hands on, or hopefully you've just got your hands on. You'll be reading Craig's review of Tomb Raider Anniversary, which to me looks very much like the last one. Um, is it? No, it's the remake of the original. With, yeah. And the, the last one's closed, basically. In the la- right, so same engine. It looks very similar to yeah, Le- is it Legend, similar. the last um, one, last year? Legend, yeah. yeah. So if he's wearing the same clothes, it's kind of blue tight top, shorts, very trainers. Oh, well, actually, that's not the same clothes as the last one, though, is it? That's the same clothes. I know he's wearing the first one. one. Yeah, that's true. They don't, they don't really change that much. They just got a tank top. It on. was a metaphor, <laughs> all right? He's talking about the graphics and the engine. I want to talk about clothes now. Oh, <laughs> let's not. Yeah, I'd like to talk about clothes. <laughs> it's a it's a turquoise swimsuit. I just like to say that. All the previous models that they had pimping the Tomb Raider thing have thought it was some kind of like weird PVC tank top. Yeah. So they've all been wearing completely the wrong thing. Whereas those of us who are actually kind of looking forward to Tomb Raider, the original, before it came out as a platform game, noticed that in the concept art, it was she was wearing like a swimsuit with shorts over the top. Tom, you've been thinking about this too much, haven't you? Not thinking, it's just... I thought... I was young. It's an Easter egg for the, um, for the remake. They should have given her kind of a Madonna-style bra to kind of... Really... <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> See, I thought no one knew about the first one. But it came out, I thought it was kind of... Just I remember reading preview. Possibly well, no, it was it was quite a big deal. I was I was at university when it came out. I bought a Matrox Mystique graphics card yeah, for me too. it. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it, it was it was quite a big deal. It was it was quite big, uh, well hyped. God, was that ten years ago? Jeez. It's well, yeah, it's a, I was a ten year anniversary, isn't it? Seventeen and a half when it came out. <laughs> Yeah, right. I was twenty. All right, let's, let's move on. Um, now, so, so but it's 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 eighty percent good. It's very good, one. and occasionally bits are broken. They've ruined the T-Rex moment. They've ruined all the boss yeah. fights, in fact. The boss fights are absolutely appalling. Can I just ask a question? Does anybody actually like boss fights here? No. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Which ones? Well, name, well, name a good boss, boss you've ever thought. Oh, blimey. Um, they were good in Baldur's Gate. They were awesome. You had to have a whole strategy and everything. Mm. I always find, well, the type of games I play is just circle straight. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm, well, they're good in World of Warcraft, though we're not talking about that. 
Um, the only ones I find bearable tend to be the ones where they kind of almost miss the boss fight and just turn into a puzzle where you don't actually have to, you know, circle something for half an hour pumping all your ammo into it. Like Deus Ex, where you, there, there was a boss, but you couldn't fight him directly. You had to kind yeah. of find an alternate yeah. way to... Find the kill switch kind of boss fight. I, mean, yeah, I, ju I just had to talk John Walker through the second boss fight because it doesn't tell you what to do. So it's it's not that it's a boss fight per se. It's that it, that it's just not well done. Well, the combat's really terrible. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people have this sort of idea that the, the combat in the last game or the first game rather, the original Tomb Raider, it was just yeah. appropriate. It was okay. Yeah, this they seem to have added all these little tricks to it that just break it, and combined with terrible collision detection, just ruins the game. But in terms of the sort of the the uh, exploration, the puzzles, oh, the exploration's the... absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It, if I'll make a bold statement. If there was no fighting in Tomb Raider, it would get 90%. Wow. <sighs> It'd have to have something else, wouldn't it? I mean, a bit more depth to the, the environments. The environments are beautiful. The environments are incredibly in-depth. Mm. Can you think of a platform game, then, that doesn't have actual kind of combat in it? Because I thought, well, Mario doesn't have any combat in it, but of course it does, because you could jump on yeah. mushrooms' heads. N doesn't. N. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, things can kill you, but you can't kill them. Yeah. I mean, you're there to do the platform stuff for 90% of the time, and you might as well do 100% of the time. The well, I... Don't think it would be uh, an outrageous guess to presume that there'd be another Tomb Raider this time next year. Um, so there you go, Idos. There's a recommendation for you. No combat in uh, Tomb Raider Anniversary Plus One. <laughs> uh, good. Okay, so, um, yeah, we're talking about the new issue. That's the, the Crisis issue, which is out on June the 7th. I don't know when you're listening to this. It might be, you know, June out already. 7th. It might be June the 7th. Um, it depends if we can get this thing uh, on, on the internet. Anyway, um, and Crisis is in that magazine. There's also quite a lot on Bioshock too. Now, is it just me, or is the rest of 2007 basically about Crisis and Bioshock? And all the other incredible things that are going Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, trying, two, I'm trying to simplify two, for dramatic effect. <laughs> Enemy territory. <Yeah. laughs> No, Bioshock. Creed. <laughs> Bioshock is absolutely awesome. Bioshock is awesome, and Crisis is... Is... Also awesome. Also awesome. So, um, yeah, tell us about your little brief visit to uh, to Crytek in, was it Frankfurt? Yes, it was Frankfurt. Um, and I was lucky enough to go there on the day that they were celebrating their alpha stage. They're not actually entirely at alpha because they define alpha differently to other developers. Um, okay. It would... <laughs> Didn't stop <laughs> them having a party, did it? The tone of the... Word okay that you're not wanting to hear in great detail about the no, difference of Alpha and how it varies for Crytek. Sounds quite dull. <laughs> I want to hear about the party. The upshot is Crytek have much, much higher standards than other people. They don't. Alpha to them is not getting it working, it's getting it to a certain review score. And they internally <laughs> test and try and guess how much it will score. So we'll be the judge of that. Yeah, quite. I don't like but the anyway, idea of developers reviewing their own games. That's, that's filming with dread. <laughs> it's our job. They're not going to put us out of the job because I don't think anyone will trust a review of Crisis from Crytek. I wouldn't. <laughs> anyway, that meant I got to go to their alpha celebration party, even though they weren't strictly alpha in the normal sense, and see Shervat Yerli dancing on stage with a belly dancer. Badly. The dirty man. <laughs> yes. he is, he's the boss man of Crytek. Now, you, you, you were telling me about this. He's, he's, the, he's a designer and also the... On Far Cry, he was the lead... He was the technical designer and yeah. the artistic director. Technical director and artistic director. So basically... You know, both sides of the thing. Yeah. And on Crisis, I'm not actually sure if he has as much involvement. He's obviously the kind of creative force behind it and kind of decided how it should be. But he's, I mean, right now at least, he's spending all his time doing interviews and yeah, he's, it. Yeah, he's the else. only one I ever hear from or about. Yeah, which is odd because the company is actually owned by the three brothers equally, I think. Um, or is it? It might even be four brothers. There's his brothers? At least three are they, brothers. Are oh, Yearlies or others? Yeah, Yearlies. There's loads of Yearlies. Yeah, loads oh, of Yearlies. I can't remember any of their first names, but I did meet them so briefly. The, the, the other ones are starters. The Yearly starters. Yeah. Oh, yes. Get out. Okay, just, just, the, get, just leave. <laughs> they're really the Yearly risers because they're. they're you two, get out. out. Come on. <laughs> I mean, me and Craig left. That doesn't count. I didn't inherit the awfulness of the pun. I just yeah, get the extra points did. for how much better I made it. <laughs> Um, it's like Scrabble in that way. <laughs> so, um, were we right to be hugely excited about the um, the mod making capable yes. possibilities of this game? Yeah, I mean the game is absolutely insane. Um, it's they've just they've let you pick up and hit people with absolutely anything, including live chickens and corpses and bits of car and just tree? absolutely everything. So, pick up a tree. Yes. Awesome. 
Can you pick up a dustbin? If someone's hiding behind a tree, you can punch it in half, catch the top half before it hits the ground, and then beat them to death with it. (laughs) But, um... They've, they've, they've basically made, as far as I can see, they've made this world and the physics interaction and all this cool stuff you're talking about, and then said, right, how are we going to actually justify this? I know, let's give them a suit which gives you super strength, because it's the only yeah. way we can possibly make this work kind in, of. in a, in a mean, logical I environment. I wouldn't be surprised if the suit idea maybe either came first or was developed alongside the idea of being able to break all the foliage. Because I remember in the very first video we saw, it was just kind of a tech demo of CryEngine 2. It was just a guy crawling past a bush and the leaf kind of like bent out of his way and everyone went crazy. Oh my God, the leaves bend out of your way as you crawl. Bending leaves! <laughs> Even though, of course, you wouldn't see it in first person because it was like his elbow that was <laughs> actually causing it. But yeah, I think that then they probably got thinking about how much more interactive they can make it and how much more tangible they can make it. Because mm. um, Shevat's quote about it that he always wheels out is that he wants players to feel like they can touch the world. And so... The destructibility and the nano suit kind of both serve that goal. They're both about first let's make the world react, and then let's give them something that the world will really have to react to. So it's 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 going to be good. I mean, there's no question about that. But it's going to be a very different proposition to Bioshock, which is it's kind of exciting for a different reason. And Tim, you um, you went to see this. Yeah, the the thing to say about Bioshock is um, it is incredibly violent and much much more fast paced than anyone's really expecting um the violence i'm going to describe something quite brutal is yeah if um, you've got little children in the room send yeah, them out now um, or just snap their neck yeah. yeah or just yeah exactly and oh, so god the, <laughs> can't take you lot anyway <laughs> do you have a hammer <laughs> the little girls uh who harvest adam which is one of the resources in bioshock they um you're given a choice whether to kill them or to save them um and when you kill them, you harvest them. If you save them, you kind of you don't harvest them. When you when you um, when you don't harvest them, you'll pick them up and you'll kind of stroke the back of their head. You kind of just run your hand over their forehead, and they'll they'll just kind of wake up from a trance. Their eyes are open. They'll thank you and they go, "Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you," and stumble off. If you want to harvest them, you'll pick them up. Uh, you'll run your hand over the back of their head. Then you'll push them down underneath the screen just for a little bit, and you'll shake. You'll shake them a bit, and you hear a crack and a splinter. Then you'll pull them back up, and they've literally gone limp in your um, in your left hand. In your left hand, uh, you'll shake them a bit, um, pull them down again, rip out a sea slug from the back of their their uh, head. Do you see that? Yes. Okay. Um, then you pick them up again, and they've gone limp. You just toss them to one side, and then just go and eat the sea slug. Just for the record, Tim is making motions, cramming his fists into his mouth. Yes. Um, I it's think really it's supposed to be a sea slug. Sea slug. Yeah, uh, Tim didn't have a sea slug to hand. No, <laughs> okay. Um, is it just me that thinks that there is no way on God's clean earth this is going to get past the BBFC? I think they, by having it off screen, they probably dodged the bullet there. I mean, I think yeah. that's probably the reason you can't just put a gun to the head and shoot them in game, because yes. that's correct, isn't it? You, yeah, you can't. In a fight, you won't be able to just gun them down. Yeah, like any other and remember the BBFC just released a report um, saying that they discovered that because games are interactive, um, people are far less influenced by them. Good segue, Craig. Like it. <laughs> um, yes, That's it's true. In, in, in the new issue, Craig's done a, a, an excellent little story there about... So basically they, they, they interviewed loads and loads of gamers yeah. and, and families of gamers as well, parents uh, and... Uh, most of the gamers, just people, because loads of loads of folk, um, yeah. and asking them about you know just the way they played and interacted with games, and as a result of this, they're thinking about um, relaxing some of the guidelines on their yeah, ratings. Yeah, they just felt it might have been a bit too harsh on games mm. in the past. And and so I mean, well, one thing that's often often thrown at, at violent games is that oh, because it's interactive, it's worse. Yeah. But the BBFC are thinking that from their evidence that from because the, it's from the answers, it seems like it's it doesn't affect anyone as. Uh, like movies are far more effective at um, disturbing you than games are. That's and counterintuitive to me. Well, yeah, I wonder if it's just because we've been told it so often that, that interactivity is more involving. Maybe because it's interactive, we know that we're interacting uh, all That's the time. Um, I mean, how often do you just drift off watching a movie and, and you, you don't really register? That's that it, you're, you're aware of what you're doing. So right. You're aware that you're playing a game yeah. rather than but how, watching a movie. But how can you then kind of because one of the things that games also do is they use to train people and lots of people are i mean there's companies like alcoa in the us who use games to teach people safety measures and so they think that by placing you in a situation where you will need to enact a safety measure it will train your brain to actually run that safety measure so you're saying that 
like the BBFC, and you are saying that that training I'm is BBFC useless. The BBFC are saying okay. that, according to their responses to this report, that people who are playing games are, are getting much less emotionally involved in those games than a movie of similar um, intensity. I think this is highly disturbing news. I think our games need to be a lot more immersive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting stuff. I mean, nothing is decided yet no. from the BBFC's point of view, but. Um, well, we may see, you know, more violent games getting 15s or, or you know, the whole shake-up of the whole thing. Um, good stuff. Okay. Well, thanks for that, gents. Um, what should we talk about now, Tim? Uh, let's have a look on the enormous schedule of things to talk about. No, no, no. We do this entirely <laughs> off the cuff. Sugar! Oh, I revealed the whole secret! <laughs> he said sugar as well. Yes, I did. Such a mummy's boy. Oh, piss off. Does your, does your mum listen to this? Yes. I hope mine doesn't. <laughs> Okay, uh, we could talk about stuff that's in the news. Okay, what's in the news? StarCraft 2. StarCraft 2. Now, um, Jet Set Tim, uh, you just got back from... Korea. Korea. Was it a good career move? <laughs> God. Can you leave now? Yeah. I'll just be <laughs> get me. my coat. <laughs> Silence. Um, um, what's it like? Did, oh, most importantly, did you eat any dog? Maybe. You don't know? Well... At one of the restaurants we went to, um, we were given a stone, well, a, a, like a hot stone in the centre of uh, the table, and it was thrown a series of kind of interesting looking meats, um, one of which was beef, one of which was pork, but three of which were remained un- unidentifiable. So one Did of you them, have a scroll of identify with you? Uh, no, uh, nor a scroll of time portal to take me home. <laughs> So did you not like make make animal noises to see if you could work out? Well, yes, um, but that just made the waiters laugh rather than actually kind of explain anything to us. Well, maybe the foolish Westerner. It's all it's all human meat. (laughs) Um, I did happen to eat a table ornament though, (laughs) uh, because we went to a uh, Japanese restaurant and I thought we were eating sushi. So of course I kind of ate the bed of the thing, the bed of thing that the raw fish was on. Um, Apparently, no, that's just to serve it. And it was a bit like you know, those things that girls use instead of sponges. What are they called? Loafers. Loafers, yeah. It's a bit like a, a loofah. Loofa. It was a bit like a loofah. Yeah. Loafers are shoes. Yeah. Really <laughs> yeah. Or any lazy people. Yeah, they, so they put the fish on the loofah um, and kind of serve that. And I went, ooh, lovely. Arr, arr. And <laughs> <laughs> laughed at you. Yes, and they laughed at me again. Okay. So, uh, unfortunately, while you were in Korea trying to eat some dog, you managed to um, uh, see the announcement of StarCraft 2. Yes. What was the atmosphere like? It was brilliant, actually. Uh, they had what they'd done is um, create an event where they had uh, lots of pro gamers playing StarCraft games and invited um, Korea, or most of Korea, it seemed. To, uh, <laughs> it was invitation only. Yeah, it's called the StarCraft Invitation. Well, invi- like they invi- I think anyone who plays StarCraft. Invitation, Korea. <laughs> <laughs> how, many Korea. People, how many people were there? Give us a sense of. Uh, 10, 15,000. That's quite a lot of people. Yes. Uh, Mike Morham, who's the president of Blizzard, goes on stage, says thank you, thank you, thank you, constantly thanks the audience for coming for about 25 minutes, um, and then shows video of StarCraft 2, and the crowd go absolutely berserk. Uh, over, with, with happiness? With happiness. Uh, uh, banging balloons in the air, and uh, going crazy and shouting. And then they showed a video of actual gameplay as well, which was quite nice. Was there a sense that if they'd announced a StarCraft MMORPG that there would have been a bit of a... Uh, from the audience? Not necessarily. But no, there's, a, a there's an interesting. Role. I, I, there's, there's been loads of talk about StarCraft MMO, and I actually think there is one coming eventually. When I was uh, there, I asked Paul Sams, who's Blizzard's kind of financial guy, one of the quotes he gave a long time ago was that they'd bet the entire company on World of Warcraft. And... I asked him, if you, would you ever bet the company again? And he just said, yes, doing it now. So there is obviously something big in development at Blizzard that they're waiting to announce alongside StarCraft. Okay, to, 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 be, to, to be fair and put it into perspective, I think you know, anything being made at Blizzard is, is big, and I'm doing the inverted commas thing with my fingers. Um, and I don't think they're really, they're, they're really able to take any huge company risking risks at the moment because you know for a start they're they're owned by Vivendi and I mean but they they, they literally just a massive safety net there. Well with World of Warcraft they um they spent five years churn I mean the, the art involved in, in developing World of Warcraft it's a pretty massive kind of undertaking. Yeah and th- and that was a risk because they weren't I don't believe they were owned by Vivendi at that point. Um and it it was a big a big undertaking but I think there's so much money coming into Blizzard, coming in 
to Blizzard stroke Vivendi at the moment that there's only so much of a risk you can take when you're when you're netting a billion dollars a second. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I see now we're talking about World of <laughs> yeah, Warcraft again. Uh, Starcraft, the game. Starcraft two, the game, looks like Starcraft and is medium tech, shall we say, to put it yeah. nicely. It's, te- it's tech that will definitely run in Korean laugh. Uh, land cafes, which is yeah. the most important thing. Otherwise, yeah. it's just going to it's going to. Um, I mean, the thing the thing to say is that they demonstrated mechan- like cool RTS mechanics over and above cool RTS features. So there was no kind of big Supreme Commander zoom cam that kind of warped out to the top of the world and then back in, and there was no um, company hero style just disastrous physics and bodies being churned into the air and things like that. And they were quite clear about this and, and quite open about it. And said that those they're making a game that they intend to be the the biggest esports game in the world, and those features get in the way of that. Mm, so, yeah. you know, well, the, the the movies that I've seen have all been about here are the tactics. Here's how exactly when you're playing as this, you can counter that, and that is really at the core of what Korean gamers are after. My sort of uh, question is whether that's really going to take off in Europe and in America. I guess you know Blizzard probably aren't too worried about that. Um, if if it does, it does great. But <clears throat> you know, for in, in terms of whether we're excited more than just a kind of a tourism, you know, game tourism yeah. kind of point of view, mm. what what does it really mean for us? Uh, do we want Supreme Commander or do we want StarCraft Two? But did you get an impression when you were there that um, we, as kind of fun-loving Western Blizzard fans, were perhaps slightly left out? Like it wasn't really targeted at us because I was watching which, the CGI which is, trailer, which is why they announced it in, in Korea. Yeah, exactly. It was announced in Korea, and the trailer that they announced it with was Korean itself. You know, there's a yeah. moment where a bit of text flashes up in Korean. There was, no, well, I mean, there was, there was, there was a Western version of that trailer as well. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, it was was completely aimed at Korea. I mean, all Blizzard are much better at designing RTS games than I am, so I'm just <laughs> going to let them get on with it. Yeah, and we'll play it. I, I don't really have any kind of hard idea of how it's if it's going to be brilliant or not at the moment. I'm, I'm, you know, they, they know what they're doing. They'll have looked at the number of people playing StarCraft in the US and in Europe and seen that it's practically nil by comparison to Korea where there's a million regular players. And you know, they'll also know that if and when they announce a new Diablo game, that's your North American market and your European market. Yeah, um, and the Korean market. <laughs> and, well, yeah, but they, 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 just, they, just, they, they, they know what they're doing. I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating a bit, but they, they know that if they'd announced Starcraft 2 to a, to an audience in, in in Europe it wouldn't you know there would have been just a much bigger clamoring in in, in Korea because that's where the yeah. hardest core market is yeah you know, I don't mean it's not played over here at all but it's it's a lot less but I'm hearing a lot of Starcraft fans I'm hearing a lot of Starcraft fans over here saying that they're just looking forward to getting back to the plot and exactly. about the characters and stuff and I'm wondering if they're actually going to cater to that that you're completely I mean the the thing the thing is that they didn't mention any of the story well they, they didn't mention any of the story stuff in the major announcement outside of the kind of the big press areas. They were happy to talk about the fact that you know, it's set four years later, that all the main characters from StarCraft are going to return, that there's still the stuff about the kind of Protoss Zerg hybrid race in there. There's still the stuff about um, Kerrigan. There's still the stuff about Rayner and that guy that they locked up, they keep forgetting the name of. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a clear continuation of StarCraft. It's 10 years later. They just, they've just got round to it. Mm. Okay, well... Um... Perhaps less confusingly, there were Nazi cosplayers there. Yes. Um, which kind of, uh, you know, the, puts the, a nice spin on things. The really surreal moment was stepping outside of um, the hall and just kind of wandering through, wandering around Seoul and meeting some cosplayers. Um, we're saying meeting, but I was kind of forced to join a conga line of cosplayers. Um, which was uh, I was I was dressed as um, me. Brilliant. I was dressed as a video game journalist. Um, but at the front of the line was a... Um, uh, just a nice chap dressed as an SS officer uh, holding a gun, um, but pointing that gun to toward a, a, a quite cute Japanese schoolgirl and kind of marching, like frog marching her down the road. And I thought that was really strange. Are you sure they were cosplayers? Yeah, yeah sure you went, it wasn't some horrible thing that you could have stopped. <laughs> Shit. Did you read the papers the next day? Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, okay, well, shall we, shall we move on from Korea? Yes. Um, now, I wanted to talk about games for Windows Live, uh, because just this morning, we had a little parcel arrive from Microsoft with a copy of Shadowrun in it, and Craig is tutting and shaking his head. Um, Craig, what's your, um, 
what's your what's your what's your feelings at the moment about games for Windows Live? Which, if you could just explain for those who aren't fully au fait with it yet. Um, well, GFW, as I like to know as. Oh, oh, oh. Um, it's just basically Xbox Live, but for Windows. Um, although it's actually, I mean, it's called Live now, so it's not really Xbox Live. It's Live, and yes. all these things are supposed to connect into it. Um, I watched Tim try to install it and trying to pick a profile and just not understand what was happening or where he was going and it installed its own profile yes. without asking you and yeah. you had to like uncheck a password to type in the password. Yeah, it's a really bad interface. So yeah. just by landing on PC, because it works fine on, on Xbox, isn't it? It's, it's, a, yeah. it's, yeah. A, it's a completely intuitive system on Xbox. So just by porting it to the PC, the PC's managed to infect it with its <laughs> in, insanity and non-workingness. It's got... It's really cheeky. Um, the um, the interface says things like press. It, it uses the Xbox buttons, yeah. but just PC fires them. So it's like you know the B button on the Xbox becomes the B button on <laughs> on your keyboard, which none of us ever use uh, an interface ever, except for typing words with B and occasionally typing right. words with B in them. Yes. Okay. Um, at the same Jesus. thing, at the same time as Tim was installing Xbox uh, Windows Live, I was installing Xfire. <laughs> it's just beautiful. Yes. You know, yes. it, I installed it and within 10 seconds it started downloading a patch for a game I had installed in there. I could have joined someone in a game that was already playing if I wanted to. I could have um, voice chatted to them if I wanted. It supports that as well. Okay. Take screenshots. But if you want to do that with um, Games Winners Live, I think you're going to have to pay about £44.99 a year. Lovely. Um, is Games Windows Live actually? So we're recording this on the what is it, the twenty third of May? Yes. Um, is it working now? Is Games Windows Live working now? Is it live? Uh, it is live um, in that it's hooking up to live and it retrieved my account and it knows who I am. Um, because you have an Xbox Live Because account. I have an Xbox Live account. Right. Uh, whether I can actually find any players, we'll, we'll see. keep you posted. We'll see uh, this afternoon when, oh. you, when you try and play Also, it comes with games rather than the operating system. Yes. Yeah. So you're playing it within the game, you're not actually... Yeah. And, and we should point out this is... Um, no, hang on, I get confused. Is this Vista only? Shadowrun is Vista only. Shadowrun. Yeah, runs. well, the two games that have come up so far are Vista only anyway. So yeah. I'm assuming that all, all the games Windows Live stuff is, yeah. is Vista, Vista only. whoop de doo time to upgrade. Or is it. No. 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 Okay, not, not, necess <laughs> not necessarily, shall we say. Oh, except for Crisis, which I'm told reliably not only will run better on DirectX 10 um, on Vista rather than XP, but will run better even if you only have a DirectX 9 card under Vista than under XP, just because it's designed for the way Vista uses drivers. Well, thanks for that. I'm very confused now. Basically, Crisis will run faster on Vista no matter what machine you have. Okay. Shit. And it's the only game I know of that will. <laughs> so we're going to have to get Vista. Marvellous. Okay. Um, good. Uh, ooh, what was I going to say now? Uh, it's going to be something funny, I'm sure. No, no, um, that's what it was. Just thinking about sort of um, upgrading and, and stuff. Um, so it's good news that... Crisis, as, as we found out from from Shavat Yerli, that you're not going to need a massive ultra machine to to, yeah. to, to, to play Crisis on. But having said that, uh, this coincides with the news that um, actual uh, processor prices are, are crashing. Well, Intel ones Going anyway. Crash. Yeah. Intel are launching a new range of processors shortly. Are they um, going to have eight cores? They, well, apparently the um, the core kind of progression is literally on the same curve as Moore's law. So. What we think is quite cool are having two cores or four cores. It will be much better next year when you have eight cores, and the year after will be 16 cores and 32 cores. It's a bit like razor blades, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Fuck it, we're doing six blades. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and also, I want, I want one on the back for my sideburn. So, yeah, an extra processor in, in your PC, perhaps, I don't know, in your monitor. My razor for your has sideburns. aloe vera and vitamin D on it. Which is not what you want on your processor. No. no. no Arctic silver instead. How I've got, unmanly is that? Now my face is covered in thermal paste. Imagine shaving <laughs> Arctic silver. <laughs> oh, that's horrible stuff. Oh, dear. Good. Right. Okay. Uh, have we run out of time yet, Tim? No. No? We're not. We haven't done the villains thing yet. Yeah. Oh, so the villains thing. Final feature of this issue. Okay. Uh, we ran a A to Z of evil. The, no, you're not saying it right. The A to Z of <coughs> evil. Oh, yeah, very, very, very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Tim is available for voiceover work in Hollywood. Uh, the A to Z of evil, which is a kind of a rundown uh, in an alphabetical style of our favourite bad guys in games ever. 
um, which is lots of fun. I like that. It, it was, there was more than 26, though. We had, we had like two A's. And, yes. But that's by the by. Um, so, uh, it's A to Z and more. Mine is, I couldn't decide, actually, which my, my, my most favourite villain is. It's either, um, well, I flippantly said to Tim that it's me. Of course, I'm not a villain. I'm actually really nice. Um, HK47 of KOTOR fame um, and the G-Man. The G-Man because he's, cause he's, he's basically very cool. And he's very mysterious. Uh, but H- HK47, because he has the best lines, but I've been reliably informed that HK47 isn't actually a villain. Well, I just think G-Man he counts as an anti-hero yeah. because he's part of your party and not someone you're fighting against. Are you he's a protagonist rather than an antagonist. Splitting hairs, people. And also the G-Man, we don't really know. Yeah, the G-Man's not a villain, plan yet, so... Well, I think he's a villain because he's forcing you to do stuff. He may turn up at so the far, and give you flavours. So I don't believe he will. of your choices have been invalid. <laughs> You can shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to say on the subject of yourself being your worst enemy, um, I'd like to submit yourself from Prince of Persia 1, because there's a potion that you drink that splits you into um, yourself and your shadow. Now you're just and being clever. Your shadow kind of dogs you throughout the game, keeps popping up, and it becomes a bit of a jerk, actually. That's the thing you learn when you're playing Prince of Persia, is that you are an asshole. But he's, you see him like steal a potion that you're about to get to before you can reach him, and eventually you face him. And it's, one of, it's not the boss of the game, but it's one of the villains. And, of course, fighting your shadow is rather difficult, because when you do get hit in, it hurts you as well. And when he gets hit in, it hurts him as well. And so, eventually, you're just going to kill yourself. And the solution is simply to put your sword away. That reminds me of a, of a great bit in, I think it was Baldur's Gate or Baldur's Gate 2, where your character fights an exact mirror image of your character. Um, and, you know, the, the game kind of absolutely mirrors you. So whatever, whatever you've done, however you've developed your character over the course of this long RPG, all the, the, the abilities and, and weapons... You're absolutely fighting yourself. I cannot remember how it ends, uh, so uh, I, I won't spoil it for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent avoidance. You can't spoil it for us. Yeah. How about you, Craig? Uh, Peter Mullen, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're completely rubbish at selecting these, aren't we? <laughs> okay, well, he wasn't in the list, but um, he's also not in a game, as far as I know. Well, he, ha, explain why he's a villain, Craig. Um, it was a flippant remark. It was a very <laughs> flippant remark. Just Peter Molyneux, if you're listening, please don't sue us. Every game you've played that he's been involved with, you've always had these grand ideas in your head, and then you turn up and go, oh, it's just a, a monkey. <laughs> it's a nice story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many games this do you get feces throwing monkeys in? Are there any feces throwing monkeys in Fable? Ah, good question. Um, no, but there's nothing else in Fable that should have been in there either. <gasps> oh. I like Fable. Did you read any of the previews or the what it was supposed to be? No. Well, you should have. Who reads previews? Disappointed. <laughs> well, don't I, ever say re- yeah, who reads previews. Getting dangerous <laughs> territory. And, 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 God damn and, it! And yeah, I'm still excited about Fable Two. Oh well, there you go. We have a dog in Fable Two. That clinches yeah. it. You can have ch- you can have children. Can it be You can be pregnant. Yes, you can be pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, I always wanted to. You can be pregnant in Fable Two. Yeah, yeah. You have children if you if you if you. If you um, have invented some evil button. If you if you choose to be a female character and you, you can have children, and you, you, it like takes a couple of years out of your life because you have to, you know, yeah, uh, you then, the then you leave. leave them with your yeah, then you leave them with your husband at home do, and go do off. You get experience just for kind of seeing at home eating weird things. That's sexist. I don't think so. I think it just skips out of it. Anyway, it's Peter Molyneux talking about a game that will take five years to make. Who knows if it'll ever make it into the game? I think Craig's got his suspicions. Um, I think. Um, having a child in Fable is sexist because I always play as a man character and no, you, you, can, get... you can father children right okay but yeah, you can't you, carry you, them to term the whole point that's <laughs> because my oh, life is so life sexist. sexist I want to have children the, the, I think the main idea of Fable is to have a family and then to go off and have an impact in the world okay there are things like um, uh, he was when I was at the, the GDC he said you could pass a, a small encampment and then come back later on ten years later and it'd be a, a city yeah you know, and, or, or if you, or if you destroy it, then then a forest will grow yeah. in its place. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> He's promised growing trees before. <laughs> you never know. And that's uh, my villain. Tim, who is your favourite villain? The Pope. The Pope in a game. <laughs> that I hope. Bastard. Well, you know, I did briefly think that it shot someone from a cannon recently because I misunderstood the meaning of the word canonized. <laughs> that's very funny. I'm, I'm laughing on the inside. <laughs> I bet it'll read better in print. You can yeah. write that one. Um, the, in medieval, medieval two. Yeah, I guess so. Right, oh, <laughs> just just the pope. Just the pope. Okay. Um, yeah. So you, 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 what do you like to do? Like assassinate him? And uh... well, yeah. I mean, one of the great things to do is capture the pope and uh, ransom him off. In the game. In the game. Um, sometimes, 
and I just really find that entertaining. Also, he's a bit of a bastard, it has to be said. If you want to invade somewhere, he kind of just gets in the way a bit. Um, we're talking about Medieval 2, by the way. Yes. And Medieval 1. Um, but yeah, I just don't really like the Pope. In the game. In the Therefore, game. he's a villain. Oof. Yes. Yeah, we're gonna have to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna In have the to game. Cut that. Yeah, we might have to cut that. Bit. Cut Tim's laugh out, and it would be really disturbing. Yeah. Anyway, he loves you. That's the important. Yeah, part. exactly. I'd yeah. like to submit another choice from Prince of Persia One, oh, which yeah. is a grossly underrated game. Go on. Um, Jafar, the um, mm. the final boss of the game, is such an incredibly good swordsman. I mean, the game kind of really struggles to come up with new characters because the only interaction with them is stabbing them with a sword. And the sword fighting only had two moves, it was attack or block. And you're also on a square-based system, so you could move forward as a square and attack, or stay where you are and attack. And even within that, there's an incredibly elaborate and intricate fighting system. And it kind of all culminated in your fight with Jafar, where he's so good that he can just block absolutely any attack you do, and no matter how you kind of try and trick him, he'll always block it. And it takes you a while to notice it, but when he does block, he moves backwards very, very slightly. And so eventually the solution to beating him, and it's probably my, the only boss battle I've really enjoyed, is you realise you can just keep on attacking him in the same direction again and again and again and it'll always block it and it probably gets some return hits in too. But if you keep it up, he eventually just falls backwards off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that actually, that's a really good fight. It was genius. Prince of Persia, we always go on about really long games, you know, like the eight hour, ten hour, yeah. fifteen hour games. Prince of Persia is an hour long game. It's exactly an hour long because it has a time limit. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> hey, what's this? Prince of Persia, you had to complete... It's the original one rather the original, than the, the recent very original one. game. Oh, okay. You had to complete it in an hour. It felt long to me somehow. Yeah. That well, seems I mean, like a bit of a squeeze. Well, you couldn't complete it the first time because you'd die. And if you, there's no save game, so... Yeah, it was absolutely terrible, really, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you've got to complete it in an hour. There's a time limit that's consistent throughout levels. So if you screw up early on, you've completely yes. fucked the rest of the game for yourself. You have no concept of how long the game's going to be in terms of number of levels. Yes. And you can't save. <laughs> so you just stop when it gets an hour if you haven't reached the end. You get yeah. a cutscene of the of princess, princess dying. dying. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's really depressing. Yeah, <laughs> great. And all the while you're fighting yourself and discovering that you're a jerk. Well, on that note, gents, I think we're going to have to uh, call it a day, um, as the, uh, the the PC gamer tape machine is running out of tape. Um, so uh, yeah, you can find out a lot, a lot more about the things we've been talking about in the new issue, which, depending on when you're listening to this, is out on the seventh of uh, June. That might be uh, next week or last week. I don't know. Um, anyway, it's nice. You can recognise it because there's crisis on the front. Uh, so do buy it and uh, keep us all in jobs or pay our legal fees when we get sued by the Pope. <laughs> and Jesus. And Jesus. And Korea. And Korea. <laughs> and who else did we offend today? Uh, okay. Peter Molyneux. Peter Molyneux. Before the end. Yeah, no, don't, please. Don't, don't forget to, to send in your MP3s. Oh, yeah, send in your MP3s of you playing game theme tunes on the instrument of your choice. I'm not, I'm not going to be happy until I hear Doom on a recorder. Yeah, E1M1 from Doom is really, really good, played with an extra guitar. Fantastic, thanks very much. So, yes, please do send those in, and uh, will we give people a prize? Might as well. Can we accept what? submissions using only your voice? No. Are you asking no. our readers to sing? I don't want to I was going to do it. <laughs> you are not allowed to well, enter this... It's not like Halo. It is voice. Employees of Future Publishing Limited are not allowed to enter the competition. All right, Tom? My friend, uh, Fom Trancis, was going to enter. <laughs> oh, that'd be all right then. Yeah, no problem. Right, can we, can we, can we finish now? Has everyone had enough? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, OK, good. right. Don't forget to tune in to the next one, which should be ready in about a month, I suppose. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. <laughs>